listener. Thank you so much for checking out Watery Death Show, an anime podcast so bad that it loops back around to being good. Or so we hope. Just wanted to take a minute and say that if you enjoy what you hear, you can rate and review us on iTunes, subscribe to our YouTube or SoundCloud, or follow us on Twitter at Watery Death Show. We also have an inbox at waterweedesho at gmail if your message can't be fit into 280 characters. And we read all the messages you send and reply to them, whether they make it to air or not, because we really do love our community, which we hope you'll become a part of if you haven't already. But whether you do or not, you have our sincere thanks for listening, friend. Hope you enjoyed the show. Good evening, ladies, gentlemen, MBs, cappers, carols, whatever you might be. Welcome Hi. to Wari Desho's Stream of Thoughts, Season 5, Episode 2 of Sarah's Am I. I probably completely butchered that. I do apologize profusely. Uh, I'm Shaden, as always. Uh, I'm going to do my absolute best to try and describe the events of this, um, which is going to be quite the accomplishment in of itself, you know, if I actually do manage to pull that off. I mean, I... Like, that's going to be, like, your own Xbox Live, like, you know, achievement right there, 25 gamer points, accurately describe the events of a Sirens of My episode. I'll give it a go. I'll give it a go. But as always, though, I'm not alone. I'm not alone. I'm joined with uh, my two Kappa colleagues here. Uh, on the other side of the ocean is, of course, uh, Kappa Doxer himself. I believe his name is Subs. You, you believe correctly. Also, you got the... I think you got the name of the show right, but you got the episode number wrong. This is not episode two, it's episode 420! Baby! Ow! 420 just blaze the anime. What? Right, no, no, I've got to stop you there. What kind of, what kind of crazy person do you have to be at Crunchyroll? Who's you know handling the release of this to not to not do a one-off delay of this particular episode for Saturday? That was an opportunity that was gift wrapped for you, Miles. Miles, get your fucking crew in line, mate. <laughs> Jesus, a definitely right. like a like Good a job. like what a cost benefit analysis had to be had to have happened in the in the background. Like we, there surely there was a meeting about mm. this. Oh, God damn it! It came out on the nineteenth well, <laughs> instead of the twentieth. Yeah. Mallory. God damn it! Anyway, uh, also joining me, uh, Kappa Valerie, of course, the dark web herself. Hello. Mm, I'm so tired. Hi. Oh. <laughs> oh. Sorry. Bless. Are you okay? Oh. What's going on? Yeah, I'm just tired. That happens. Mm-hmm. You should oh. sleep more. I do sleep. It's just, it happens. It's a drug problem, you know. I have drug problems. Well, You're not okay. the only one, at least, because that's <laughs> an amazing segue for this episode. So we've oh, uh, oh we veered into dark territory all of a sudden. No, no, no. It's, it's doctor-approved drugs. Okay, okay. <laughs> all right, no, you know what? Now I, yeah, I get you now. Okay. Okay. That's cool. fa- that's fair. Okay. That's fair. So, uh, 
Before we get into this episode, uh, we will, of course, revisit the polls from last week. There were uh, polls. Doc, there were polls. There were two of them. I finally actually put some out there after the show ended because I'm terrible at my job. This is why I don't work in, you know, any source of political... Oh my God, we have two polls. I forgot to rig them. Give me a second. Oh, no. <laughs> They're ended, so you can't rig them. <laughs> Too late. Too yes. late. That does not stop you me. <laughs> You can hack. Now I am the dark web. Twitter.com. You can't stop uh, the dark web. You can't. This is verifiable. Um, I was told this by many people I trust on Facebook. Um, (laughs) Sudan, while I am reading the polls, could you check the stream and make sure everything is looking okay? Thank you, sir. So I am going to read polls from last week. Sudan's on my episode one. First poll, did you find the events and ideas of the episode easy to process without using external resources like blogs or Twitter threads? 71% of you out there are smarties, very smarties, and you said yep. Um, And not me, I'm in the 29%, the more info please group. Now, second poll is Kepi using the kids for his own evil ends? Kero, Kero, Kero. Uh, is he sort of a... Uh, oh, I've now forgotten his name. The white, fluffy creature from Madoka. Why can't I remember oh, that, his name? Oh, that would be Kubei. Thank, thank yeah. you. I only <laughs> follow someone on Twitter with this name, so I see it all the time. <laughs> of course I forget it. Is is Kepi basically the Kubei of this universe? 67%? Think so. Think he's an evil asshole. Um, literally. Yeah. Very literally. <laughs> I, didn't, I, I didn't write that answer for jokes. Like, there's, there's, there's layers to this right. poll. It's good. Good references. Um, I need to wear pants for this. <laughs> no, 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 you're actually doing... No, you're doing bad I, I think those. you're doing it right. You're doing bad those by not wearing pants for this. This is the this is the anime where the least clothes you wear, the best. Yeah, okay. I think that's fair and accurate. Yeah. Listen, no, no, no. Okay, the least clothes you wear, the more secrets come out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Go run for my pants. So there will be no leakage. You should wear the pants. <laughs> <laughs> I'm wearing pants, by the way. I'm joking. You can't oh, back God. out on this now. Sure, this well, is you God. can say that. We don't know. Damn it. <laughs> you don't know. Lack of webcam. <laughs> um before we start, I I just want to shout out the episode director here is uh Shingo Kaneko, uh director of episode two of Sutters and My, titled I Wanna Connect, but I want to take. So uh Kaneko has worked with Ikuhara before, series director man Ikuhara, um, on, let's see, on Utena, the TV show, has been an episode director for five episodes, he was the assistant director, it looks like, of the whole TV show, which I didn't know until now, uh, did some storyboarding, storyboarded part B of the movie, was a unit director <laughs> on Utena, the movie, uh, also worked with Ikuhara doing Penguin Drum, and doing Yurikuma Arashi in similar roles to the ones discussed above, storyboarding and episode direction. So this person has followed uh, Ikuhara around also, but um, but they got pl- plenty of other work to recommend them. I mean, everything from 
Full Metal Alchemist to Etika Seven to Darker Than Black to Star Driver <laughs> Slam Dunk. Um, there was one at least one I recognize there. Okay, which... Darker Than Black. I remember. Oh, yes. Okay. Did you have a comment on Darker Than Black? Uh. Oh, wait, listen. When, when, give, us, when, give us your when, review of Darker okay. Than Black. Wait, 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 wait. When, wait. when season you two? Remember fucking first. Mm. You worry the show. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. make this joke all the yeah, fucking that's time. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> it's, it never gets old because it's also technically true. Yeah. Like, that's one of those shows that I really like the idea of. But, yeah, yeah. man, there are some problems with There's it. There's like every every media where it's like, oh, we're going to take this character and we're going to make him a drunk asshole. It's like always handled wrong. Yeah. Hey, they did hey, always. They did a great. They did a great job, at least, of getting Vladivostok, you know, accurate. They actually went and researched it for season two. Too bad they didn't do anything else with it. Whoops. <laughs> so, well, they had a Russian anti-material rifle. I think. Great man, I don't remember. Like, that's a really good memory. <laughs> it's been so long since I've seen that show. The, the, I'm telling you, I've said this before, but the one and only one thing that sticks with me from Darker Than Black is. When he restarted his own heart with his superpowers, that was some <laughs> fucked up, goofy shit, and I loved it. That's what I'm here for. Uh, hey, to be fair, Joe Soros, you know, he stops his own heart with you know star platinum. It's not unheard of. That's true. That's fair. Um, thank you to Lulabelle for coming. I, I know we're doing this at a weirder time than like on a Tuesday rather than a a Monday or a curse Friday you, Jesus Friday. Christ. <laughs> That's right. there you you go. fucked up our you, schedule. You now you've gone you and bested. Done. You've done a lot of th- bad things over the years, but this is this, this will is not strong. stand. <laughs> you've now crossed the Rubicon. Um, you what a fucker. You cat bastard, as they say in this show. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed that. I enjoyed the cat bastard. It was a oh, nice, the, the, the change of pace. I, I, I was going to say I didn't realize we'd be getting this anime's own version of Buffalo Bill, but here we are. Oh, Jesus. That's literally what he was fucking doing. That's true. Yeah, the, oh my the God. cat shaver instead. Oh, man. Yeah. Grizzly. Literally Buffalo, literally Buffalo Bill is imagined by Ikuhara. Like, oh. what the fuck? Oh. Anyway, right. So, let's get to it. Let's Summary talk about time. this episode. Summary time. This is going to be, this is going to be tricky. Uh, because how does one accurately summarize this show? I mean, you did a pretty damn fine job last time, Doc, so pressure's on. Right. So, we return to Saren Zamai already in progress. And, man oh man oh me oh my. Like, we of course had the revelation that... <clears throat> sorry, one second. Technical problems. <laughs> hello, Sophie the Bookworm. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome. Uh, thanks for dropping by. Like I was saying earlier, I know this is a, a weird day and time. We're doing on the half hour on a Tuesday, but next week we're also going to be doing Monday and for episode three instead of um, uh, instead of the Friday. But like for episode four, I think we'll, I think we'll be doing it on the Friday. That's really far in advance to predict our schedule. Yeah, we've got there's. There's a lot of like stuff going on. It's keeping the schedule kind of fluid. Not least of which is why I won't be doing it this Friday because I'm going to be watching Avengers Endgame, aka the moment that you know Ant Man finally flies up Thanos's ass. But anyway, back to the topic at hand. <clears throat> it's been spoiled for you. So, you know what that's like now on film. Uh, You've seen it. 
<laughs> All right, so we pick up where we left off, which is that um, Kazuki revealed, of course, that he has been cross-dressing as the idol. Uh, as was a Sarah, I think it was. I'm yep, very Sarah. bad with mm-hmm. names. It Sorry, is. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and we actually find out, like, we speculated on this last time as to who the person it was mentioned at the end of the episode. We thought it was a random girl. It turns out it's actually uh, Kazuki's younger brother. Uh, much younger kid brother, Haruka, who is also Harukappa. Um Now, Har- Haruka, as it turns out, is very into um, into this idol. Mm-hmm. Like, absolutely adores. Like, as a yes. young kid, often dotes on a you know media or social like celebrity or personality. So, I like I've got a lot to talk about lace with that and parasocial relationships. Ooh. Sorry, one second. More technical difficulties. Forgelia, by the way, is that you, like, unpacking a backpack? By the way. Oh, no. Forgelia's internet seems so broken. Sorry, right. Valerie. Okay. Um, right. So, basically, what has been ha- what has been happening is this. Uh, the reason that Haruka has been actually cross-dressing as the idol is to pretend that he is the idol to cu- to communicate directly with his younger brother to make him happy. Because his younger brother loves um, Sarah so much mm-hmm. that he just wants to see him happy. And so giving him that personal connection, like, you know, of a celebrity who actually directly, singularly interacts with him is, like, that must be amazing, like, Think of it like, you know, if, if you were a kid, like, and you were, say, a huge fan of, I don't know, uh, I'm thinking back to my own childhood here, so this probably makes me feel very dated. But let's say you're a big fan of something like The Fresh Prince back in the day, and you just were the one person, the one kid in your school who got to talk to Will Smith on the frequent, you know, on your phone or whatever. Would that not be the coolest fucking thing ever? That'd be incredible. You'd love that. Widow son, why is Big Willie style so cheesy? <laughs> Hit me back. <laughs> So, yeah, um, he's connecting with his brother in that way by doing this. And, wow, that's already, like, before we even hit the OP, that's some heavy stuff to deal with. Um, so, yeah, expect a lot of for me to discuss later about parasocial relationships, because okay. that's going to play play into this a lot. Um, that will be something to talk about. But anyway, uh, we, of course, have the OP. I don't think we've really discussed it, but I have to say I love the music that goes with it. Like... There's something so high energy in Pumps Fire that just makes me excited for the show, even though I know it's going to be as crazy as a barrel full of monkeys. So, after the OP, though, um, we do, of course, get to see um, Haruka at the family table. And I have to say, like, I think that Sarah basically does every single thing, like, on the media. Like, news as well. <laughs> like... Yes. <laughs> like we get a word lace like oh yeah this criminal was arrested and it's her delivering the news there's like apparently there's no news anchors in this world just this one idol yeah. <laughs> is 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 sarah basically Ik- ikuhara's equivalent of the i buy that for a dollar guy from robocop <laughs> <laughs> yes. I, I'm, I, I think there's a possibility here um i'm curious more like for how much of the day is she on tv all of it, perpetually, All I've had to guess. Perpetually, probably, yeah. So just kind of, like, gossips about everything. Yeah. I mean, what a, what a twist, by the way, it would turn out to be if there were multiple Sarahs 
who are all just actresses playing this idol, because then guess mm-hmm. what that ties back into? Mm-hmm. They're all fakes. Yeah. Or if that you know, might, it's that... like a you know, it's like a birthmark in one episode, and in the next episode, it's gone. It's like, what the <laughs> hell is happening here? <laughs> or if it's like a like a virtual idol, if it's like a hot today well, situation. Hey, that, hey, that's like Hi. it's like I said last time. She's she's the victor in the idol wars, Actually, having killed off Kazuna Ray AI first time. Right? <laughs> that's right. It, it just... sounds like the the ending, right? Yes, um, like a yes. potential ending. It's like, oh yeah, it's a virtual idol and stuff. And it's like, oh shit, she hasn't. Mm-hmm. Been sending me pictures. <laughs> Credits. <laughs> da, 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 da. But yes, uh, what else, what happens next is that Haruka and uh, Kazuki go to the riverside where they have a cat whose name is Nyantaro. Uh, Nyantaro, I believe, was possibly formerly known as Garfield, although I'm not conclusive <laughs> on this at this time. Nyantaro uh, also hates Mondays. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Uh, I will refer. Back to this later, uh, believe it or not. Um, but, like, ca- sorry, Haruka's wish, uh, like, Haruka had a wish to have a family cat. And Kazuki apparently made that happen through some method that we will find out about later on. Um, by the way, one thing I want to note here, just keep in mind, is that I've, like, heard a lot of stuff about how Ikahara directs, like, crazy-looking visuals and all that. But one of the things I really appreciate about this episode is little subtle details. Like the fact it takes a moment to focus in on Nyantaro's ear, which has been clipped. Which, believe it or not, will be relevant later. It's a very small thing, yeah. but there's lots of little small details in this episode that help foreshadow events, such as the big, you know, post-credit stinger of, you know, where... Well, we'll get to that later. <clears throat> and the two of them have a discussion in which basically plays out like any sort of conversation you have with someone who's secretly a superhero. Like, I adore that, you know, I love Sarah, don't you like her? He's like, no, nah, I hate her. Fuck that woman. Don't like her at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's secretly happy that, you know, his brother's, like, you know, enjoying, like, gaining all this personal attention. Uh, and then, because this show is crazy and it loves its hard tonal cuts that actually are genuinely quite amusing and shocking, uh, we cut straight to uh, the, the scene guest directed by Quentin Tarantino. Oh, yes! <laughs> Completely. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah, we, we, this yeah I literally... I mean, like, this was some Ezekiel 2517, you know. And I will strike thee down with furious vengeance. <laughs> and you will know my name is the Lord. Well, no, and, he's just holding the, and he's just holding the ruler up to him when he says that. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, this dude has been, uh, you know, drowned in a bathtub by Toy. And we will find out later it's his older brother who is also only using a ruler as a sword. Um, maybe they're called the Rulers. That's a bad gang name. I don't fucking Uh but yes, uh, apparently Toy like has fucked up previously about something to do with a root, possibly drug smuggling. We'll find out at some point, I'm sure. Mm. Uh, but Toy wants to get you know on equal footing with his brother to work with him directly on their criminal activity. Uh, but Toy's older brother uh, doesn't trust him on this, doesn't at all. Uh, by the way, for some reason, Toy's older brother is still having a lollipop, so it is still lighthearted, even though we're dealing with drugs. Uh, but yeah, he will later decide that he wants to get uh, a dish of hope, which I hadn't mentioned because I got distracted and I forgot about it. I'll have to backtrack now to mention what a dish of hope is. Okay. So the kids did get a reward when they destroyed the uh, Kappa zombie in the previous episode, which Kepi gives them, uh, which is a golden dish of hope. What does that do? Gives you a wish. And because these kids are millennials and have never watched any fucking film ever. Apparently not. <laughs> fucking. Oh, God. I have to, I've got a pen and paper here. There we go. Enter. Enter. The dipstick speaks up and says, I want a year's supply of cucumber rolls. 
What does he get? A gigantic cucumber roll the size of a fucking tree. Nice one. Completely flew that moment, didn't you? Good call. I mean, I mean, I mean, like, come on. Has no one ever watched anything with wishes in it? Has no one ever watched Aladdin? Come on. Not even going to try it, you know, the whole infinite, infinite wishes thing, you know? Can I wish for infinite wishes, please? Maybe, maybe they have seen too many films like that, and they just know it's in their in their mind already. Like, nope, this is you can't game the system. You have to wish Man, that, for tangible individual wishes. I was I was yelling out loud at this. I was just like, "You fucking it up! God damn it!" But yes, it will turn out that they will get more of these as they destroy more of the Kappa zombies. Uh, although. There are caveats to this, because first off, we learn that A, you have to be very specific about how you phrase this, because that is technically a year's supply of cucumber roll. It's just one gigantic cucumber roll. That's true. So, uh, yeah, if you want more evidence as to the possibility that Kepi is maybe not quite on the level, that's your point right there. Mm. Okay, so back to where we, I was talking about then about Toy's brother. So they go their separate ways. Uh, Toy wants to get a dish of hope to help his brother out. Uh... Then we cut to Enter, who who gets the worst possible parcel mix-up from Amazon ever, in that he gets a fucking gun delivered to him, which was meant for Toy. And I burst out oh. laughing when this happened. No, 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 no. I think, like, since they all had their boxes last time they met, I think they just took Got mixed up, yeah. At home. Oh. I didn't believe... I, man, I didn't realize that Capazon, you know, delivered, you know, firearms. I just trying to imagine what that would be like. Like if I opened up a package that was on my doorstep today and a gun was in it. Who wants me dead? I'll be terrified, exactly. <laughs> There's only one bullet inside it. Oh no. Just a moment. Uh, it has my name on it? No wait. That's not my name. So after we find out that Enzo's been delivered a fucking gun, uh we cut to uh Toy's other criminal activity, or rather I personally prefer to believe his very legal business enterprise of making green herb for Resident Evil protagonists. Mm-hmm. I mean there's nothing illicit about what he's doing here. No, no way, no way. You know, it's it's all above board. You know, him trying to hide, you know, contraband inside, you know, cat food. Nah. This is uh set in Aspen, by the way, in case you didn't know. Everything is above <laughs> board. It's all legal. Yeah. Uh, and so this is the point where uh, Nyantaro suddenly finds his way there inexplicably. And I never thought I'd say this, but the plot then starts around how he gets away with a sachet of weed and mm. runs off. And I'm like, I knew this was going to be crazy. I didn't think this was going to turn into a stoner comedy. Because that's what this feels like. My cat made off of my weed. It really does, just, like the Hangover 4 anime edition or some shit. Like, some, yeah, like like Spaced was the thing I referenced uh, on Twitter. But you, all, all of them are good. Pineapple Express, you're, all the jokes work here. <laughs> yes, Spaced. Uh, spaced is good. So, so uh, meanwhile, uh, Kazuki, dressed up as Sarah, is wandering around looking for a cat to take a selfie with because that was the challenge of the day from the real Sarah. And funnily enough, bumps into Nyantaro. And this is the point where Toy comes in, ruler in hand, ready to go murder him a cat. Um, because he needs, of course, to get his weed in there, you know, back so that way he can sell it all, because otherwise his brother will probably fucking kill him. And 
I want to note at this scene, by the way, that even though Kazuki is dressed for Sarah, that does not play as any part in his reaction, which I thought was quite interesting. Mm -hmm. Like, if he had been dressed normally, it would have been exactly the same, which is, say, still completely batshit bonkers, especially given the answer then actually eats the weed. And I thought, oh, we got a stone cat now. This is happening. This is an anime featuring a stone cat. Um, speaking of uh, acid nightmares, uh, we then bump into Enza uh, <laughs> walking down the road and getting collared by uh, Kepi, who looks like he's been left out in the sun too long. Um, Raising he looks Kepi. like he's yeah. Uh, he looks like me after I've been through an entire bottle of tequila, basically. <laughs> and uh, I have that same reaction as well, just to reach out. Help me. Do you get all uh, uh, the extra wrinkles as well? <laughs> If you don't, oh, if you're yeah. not watered. <laughs> I look like one of the California raisins, to be honest. It's just bad times. Uh, so, Toy and Kazuki are chasing after Nianso, and they end up at the Asakusa Gate, which has an event on. It's a couples-only day featuring ninjas and bees, because, of course, it is. it's an Ikahara work. This is the second episode of an Ikahara work I've seen, and I'm already kind of just expecting this is the norm. Right, yeah. We get It's just game there at this point. And... Both of them look at each other and say, do you want to do this tomorrow? Yes. But, I mean, here's the thing, right? Here's the thing. Uh, also, that image that Vargelio just posted is incredible. It's so and good! I it, and I want you to post it into please, the chat, if you could, please. Please post it in the, the YouTube chat. Yeah. <laughs> yes, please. Oh, uh, Okay. I don't yes, think I can post a screenshot in the chat. Whatever. Well, we can put it on Twitter. Put it on Twitter and then stick it in there. Sure. Uh, it'll be great. Um, now, here's the thing, right? This is the point where I realized what this was starting to remind me of because they get ropes into this theme park couples date thing. Of course, you know, with Kazuki still dressed as Sarah. And I was like, what kind of anarchic energy is this now, Get you know, channeling? And I realized, this is Sam and Max. This is Sam and Max in the fucking theme park, in the circus. It's that kind of insanity. And they end up chasing around, you know, trying to get Nyansaro, and they can't actually let go of each other's hands because they will get thrown out. And Kaski, in a moment that actually feels kind of empowering for him, actually takes charge and just, like, puts on the Sarah voice and goes, but darling, we don't have our hands clasped together. We'll be thrown out. <laughs> and very mind he's saying this to a hardened criminal who's, well, I mean, he is armed with a ruler and all that, but still. Uh, we then cut back to Ensu, who's like, you know, doing his own thing, trying to, he figures out like that they've been photographed. This is, by the way, another example of subtle foreshadowing about all his various reactions he has to Kazaki doing this particular caper in this theme park. So bear that in mind. Uh, also, coincidentally, I couldn't help but notice that Kepi looked very stoned, like he had the red eyes on. I don't know if that was intentional or part of his design in general. But, like, well, was, this is what's happening here. It was last time, too. Uh, it only happened, I think, when they were in the uh, the dark hour. I've now forgotten the name. The, the Field of Desire. <laughs> the Field of Desire, uh, yeah. yeah. He was a, but, yeah, this episode is very much like, I'm so fucking high right now. What are you doing? <laughs> Dude. <laughs> Come with me. Dude. You need to uh, chill, Toy, because I can't handle this right now. <laughs> so, yeah, um... While they're chasing Yanso around, Kazuki and Toy actually have a discussion, in, and Toy reveals that he, you know, uh, sorry, um, Kazuki reveals to Toy that he's doing the whole cross-dressing thing for his brother. 
Bear in mind what's been happening with Ty earlier on with his own brother. And he actually says that he's happy to give the cat up. Doesn't reveal why. But we, the audience, having been primed with this knowledge, know why he feels that way. Because he can understand and relate to this kind of, I must look out for my brother idea that's going around. Yeah. Meanwhile, hard cut to police squad. But <laughs> but not actually. I mean, I really wish this this was just Leslie Nielsen voice. It'd be great. Uh, but yeah, like, we're at the police uh, HQ now, uh, with generic officers all around, except for our two, like, otter cop people, whose names I forget because I'm bad, uh, as they're looking over the files of Nekoyama, basically you... Buffalo Bill. <laughs> Neko... Yeah, I can tell you the names, uh, only because I've... I didn't catch them in the episode. Apparently it was Mabu and Ryo. Mabu and Ryo, okay. Uh... I'm just going to say something right here, right now. I don't really understand what follows here, and there have been people who've written about it, so take it from others. Boy. I'm not going to like try and interpret it too much. So, like, I will say this. Go ahead. I will say one thing before you start. Ikuhara needs to be a fucking Eurovision director. <laughs> Can you imagine him? Can you imagine him directing a Eurovision, like, Song like song piece, holy shit! It'll be so good. I, I'm just, I'm just saying, Ikuhara, if you're listening, you, you do good work. Don't get me wrong, but I think you're missing your calling. You could you do your side hustle with your own vision. Yeah, uh, make, make Japan part of the Commonwealth again. I'm just saying. <laughs> so that'll go. I'm sure that'll go down real well, but. Hey, yeah. at least we could then have, you know, Eurovision as done by Ikahara. Uh, you anyway, know, you've, uh, you've, to... you've left the EU now to join yourself to Japan. <laughs> the new union. Oh, Trans- God, the new Trans-Pacific Partnership. Um, oh, God, it's going to end up like, uh, what was it called again? Genro, the Wolf Brigade. <laughs> oh, good God. Anyway, uh, please please enlighten us as to what's happening oh, no, 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 in no, this. So I, like, all I was going to say, like, I'd, I can't really enlighten too much. I mean, I'll have... Once we, we get to the talking points, I guess, like I can, or I can do it now. Like I wrote a few notes based on summaries, but I don't fucking know what happened, dude. Like I only got to watch the episode once, which is like a huge bummer. It's been sort of a shitty few days in terms of just life. So I've only had time to watch the episode once through, but I was going to, all I was going to say when you were talking about it is, We'll all have a chance to break down what's happening because I got a feeling we're going to see this on a, a probably a weekly basis, just like the um, mm-hmm. the uh, the Kappa number. We'll probably see this number too. I mean, they, sp- they spent a lot of it, it appears resources and time to create it. If this was just a throwaway for one episode, I would be sad. I bet we'll yeah, see I would it. Be too. We'll see it more I mean, often, and we'll get a chance to break down what's going on. I mean, I didn't do a very good job of passing it, I will confess, but I'm not going to deny that it was incredibly well executed and exciting to watch. Um, but yeah, I, I think as Bell's just actually alluded this very second, mm-hmm. them doing it actually transforms uh, Nekoyama into his zombie form, or rather unleashes his zombie form on the Field of Desire. They uh, suck the desire out of him into a bullet. And bang, then, bang, he shot me down. Then he goes to the bang, bottom bang, of a well. With other corpses and red strings of fate, and there's white machinery of some kind that I think is meant to stand for like 
the corporate machine or some sort of like faceless like i don't know capitalist society bullshit <laughs> like it's life that doesn't give a shit about you uh mm-hmm. kind of thing and uh, at some point they talk about like extracting all the individual desires from people and homogenizing them into mm-hmm. a single existence mm-hmm. that all happened and again like i'll have i don't know about a coherent reading but like yeah i'm gonna in future weeks when i have more time i plan to like watch all this pretty carefully or at least try to and like sketch out what the fuck is i think is happening um Goodbye to Bell. <laughs> Rip your phone. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see you again when you're catching this on, you know, the uh, recording and yep. the VOD. Um, so anyway, Nyansaro manages to escape onto a Ferris wheel. Now, because the Nekoyama zombie has escaped, uh, much like in the last episode, so if you had clock at the time, all the cats start flying away. Uh, no word on if it'll start raining dogs at any point, but again, we'll keep you posted. Um, this is the point at which Kepi and Enter arrive, and what more do I need to say other than that? Kepi is dressed like in a full <laughs> women's robe and he's using silks. So good. And I just and I just thought to myself, what are they going to have him do next? Buy them all beer? Is this like the free free people on a trench coat skit? I I I thought, wow. They... <laughs> I'm an adult. I'm a tall adult, like all of you. I I am of legal drinking age, Caro. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Um, I left so, my ID at home, Caro, but, I mean, come on. Just, can you hook me up once between friends? I mean, look at me. Look at how tall I am. I'm old mm-hmm. enough. Come on. You mm. know me. So, enter, like, when he arrives here, he's very indignant about Kazuki being, a like, you know, not being close to Kyuji. And there are a couple of reasons you might think this is the case, but there's one reason above all else that we'll get at the end. So, it's not just about personal safety. A bit of jealousy in there. Bear in mind the selfie or the picture that you saw of them on this couple's before. So keep that in mind. Tap, tap. Um, but yeah, Kepi says, right, look, you want to go save the cat? You got to go and, uh, <clears throat> you got to go into the other world and become Capra again. And they do. Do the little Sentai transformation routine, the old musical number. They fight. Destroy the Neko zombie. And then, of course, much like last time, we get a leak. A secret comes out. What is the secret? Turns out that Kazuki, um, like, actually stole Nyantaro from someone. Because his kid brother wanted the cat so badly and he wanted to help him so badly. He literally stole the cat. As evidenced by the fact that, again, with that cut ear, that Nyantaro has been looked at for at a vet. So, there you go. Like, he and Toy are not so different in some certain respects. You know, like, both of them are technically criminals. Both of them, as Toy alludes to, when because they see all this secret stuff, uh, says, you know, we'll both do what we need to do to get what we want. And he says, like, you know, stealing cats ain't right. Um, they get a silver dish uh, of hope this time. They need five of them actually in order to be able to um, get a wish this time around. So there's still a bit of debate on what they're going to use the dishes for at this point. Um, so then the ending credits come in 
And then we move on to the post-credit stinger. Now, this is the point where uh, Kazuki dresses up again as Sarah, takes a selfie of him with Nyansro uh, to send to Kaz- sorry, send to Haruka. Uh, you know, let's know that he's okay after all the incident where the cash has started flying off. And he passes out on the part, on the bench of the riverside. And then an ominous shadow comes in. And you're like, oh, fuck. This is going dark places. But yeah. no, it's sends, it sends you and you're like, oh, okay, cool. He's just going to make sure he's... A, uh, wait, what? What? And then it went a little dark anyway. By, <laughs> do you want to run that by me again? He kissed him. Enter kisses Kazuki on the lips. And look, the answer look, is... Sarah. We, cosplay is not consent. Don't haven't you been reading Twitter lately? Come on. The, also, fucking asleep, you know? Mm-hmm. Passed out cold. And had only been out cold for maybe a minute before he jumps on him. Uh, but yeah, uh, Nyansaro's reaction mirrored my own, which was... What? Yeah, that, that was a good reaction. Yeah, and then that's the episode. Uh, but yes, uh, it looks like at least to me, and I could be misinterpreting this, but it looks to me like Enter is actually gay. And he's into Kazuki, above and beyond just simply being friends. There's been still a bit of a lot of hints of it throughout the episode, such as the fact that he gets very defensive about Kazuki hanging out alone with Toy, going on that, you know, faux date thing that really just turns out to be kind of on par with, uh, you know, Cloud going into Don Corneo's mansion in Final Fantasy VII. That's, all, that's basically the same principle. Right. But yeah, that seems to be what the truth is there, that he's actually gay and he's just not been able to confess his feelings. I called it. We all called ding, it. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> Victory lap. <laughs> Victory lap for Valerie. We all called it. I got maybe five minutes of that whole discussion. Oh, no. No. Rip. I just. Oh okay, well. Anyway, continue. You probably, you probably, you probably had about the same effects as if you, you know, if you had heard all of it, because it's Saren's am I, and it is a little indecipherable. But hopefully, I did it justice. So, right for sure. Well, Talking points. I'll keep having so, internet problems. I might not be as active this episode. Anyway, oh man, please. all the Valerie fans. There are <laughs> There are not. Well, since you're coming in clearly right now, uh, do you have um, any big like? huge kind of things that stuck out to you that you want to talk about this episode? See, I'm I'm really interested in actually the formula that they're trying to establish. Okay. Um, I was kind of expecting this episode to be about like, you know, someone else in mm-hmm. the, someone else from the trio and they kind of set it up with like, hey, it's a gun. You know, this guy has a gun. It's like, maybe yeah. we're, we're going to kind of look into this. And they give a lot of kind of characterization into the bad dude with the ruler. But then they do nothing with it. And we still get, we get a little. We, 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 get, we get some stuff, yeah. But, yeah. I think next episode he'll probably do, because he was saying he wanted to take the dish, the dish of hope, next time. He was mm. about to shoot... He was going to shoot oh, Kazuki okay. for a second there. And then, and then, in, in, in public. Yeah, in public, I know. By the way. And then Kepi. Oh, come on. They like, were, they were uh, to... uh, guys, you got to have five to make a wish. Maybe they'll believe this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, come on. There have been explosions of gas there. Like, you know, 
this fucking guy, right, wastes the one plate that can give you a wish on its own. Again, he's not watched the fucking movies. Just saying. Oh, what a winner. Just saying. What, loser more like. Ugh. Right. Okay, so do you have anything you want to talk about, Duck? Oh, I've got it, yeah. For... No, yeah, for sure. Um, I took, uh, I, like I said, I only got to watch once, but I was able to take a few notes uh, some stuff that I thought was interesting. So, like, I think the the main question that I came away with and that, like, I think Ikuhara wants us to come away with from this episode, uh, based, based on the title, for sure, which is, like, I want to connect, but I want to take, um, is... How do I... How do I encapsulate this question? Like... Is is it okay or morally acceptable to hurt other people or take from them to make the person that you care about happy? Or is it even possible to make other people happy without taking from someone else? Like, maybe that's what he's trying to set up. Like, in this world, that's what they believe, is that for some people to be happy, other people have to suffer. That's how the free market works. Um, and, yeah, I mean, is... I mean, I, I came away with so many questions, right? Like, is is Kazuki fundamentally misunderstanding what Harukapa wants in some way? Like, yeah. is... Mm-hmm. You know, Haru mm-hmm. is seeing these... Question. Yeah, like, is Haru, like... I mean, if Haru knew, right, would he be... I mean, clearly, I think he'd be dismayed. Like, he doesn't want, I don't think, his brother hurting other people, committing crimes for his sake. Um, and and what's going on in, in with Kazuki? Like, I mean, he's he appears to be, like, noting all these kind of very superficial, surface-level comments that Harukapa is saying. Like, oh, like, I love this thing. It'd be nice to have a cat someday. Like, oh, what I need to do now is take a cat and give him a cat. And, like, mm-hmm. and not, like, I don't know, the the connection he seems, con- like, content with it being a certain way as opposed to, I don't know, I, I feel like trying to make Harukapa happy would involve more than just, like, giving him things, right? Like Likewise, him- likewise said the previous episode with Enzo giving that thing. You know, because now we've got additional context on top of that. It's not just simply about, you know, friendship. You know, it's actually romantic love and affection. Mm-hmm. And a kid that that age, like, I mean, again, like, as a cis guy, I probably am speaking completely out of turn here, but I can at least appreciate that it's probably incredibly difficult, if not monumentally or astronomically impossible, to be able to do that. So, you know, like to a kid of their own age say oh yeah i love you like and we're the same sex Mm. i mean when i said before in the previous episode about giving him that little like headphone set thing Mm -hmm. like it's difficult for people to be honest and open even when they're just talking as friends Mm -hmm. so now we've got this on top of that that's even like that's even harder and then i have to ask as well like when you add that layer on like is he attracted to kazuki when he's dressing up as sarah or is it strictly just, you know, is it, you know, 
him all over, or is it just him when he's dressed up? Is that the only time he feels comfortable approaching him? Because right. he is dressed up as a woman, you know, and that feels more in line with, you know, norms and, you mm-hmm. know, standards, you know. Like, there's a lot to unpack here, and it's, it's messy as fuck, but I appreciate for doing it. Holy crap. I... A lot of really adult problems that these kids <laughs> are facing. Adults and... spend their lifetime figuring this shit out. Yeah. I mean... There you go. And I have to wonder as well, like, so, yes, he did steal the Antaro. That's bad. No, I don't think there's any way around that. I mean, that cat belongs to someone else mm-hmm. who now doesn't have it. I mean, poor, you know, poor John, like, we've got Garfield minus Garfield starting up here. <laughs> Thank you very much, Kazaki. You've left a poor, like, psychotic man all to himself in three panels every week by Jim Davis. <laughs> no one nice just one. wants Odie. We need the cat. <laughs> oh, fuck that guy. Fuck that guy. Um... But I have to wonder to myself, maybe Kazuki knows that he did a bad thing by stealing the camera, I would hope so. And maybe this is his way of, you know, maybe punishing himself a little bit or doing things differently by dressing up as Sarah. Maybe one thing has led to the other. That he's progressed from just simply giving him material once, but now doing this kind of parasocial thing, which I'll get into mm. in just a moment. Like it's, it's me doing the dirty part, but it's Sarah purely giving you the pure gift, and there's like a separation... Mm. The artificial mm-hmm. separation that he buys into. Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. Man, so I could, I sort of want to bounce around a different, but no, go ahead, go ahead. Right. So parasocial relationships. Let's talk about those for a moment. What are parasocial relationships? Uh, they're not romances with ghosts. I'm very sorry to say that it's not quite like that. Damn it. Uh, I know. I know. So I'm valid should... too. Okay. What I have with, um, fucking. What is the what is his name? God damn it! Never mind. Never mind. I'm okay. a sad okay. man. Can't think of good references. <laughs> Just continue. Well, well, I have a question for you, Doc. Do you follow a celebrity on Twitter? Um, if sure, you do, name sure. any of any of them. Name any one of them. Uh, well, I follow several professional wrestlers on Twitter. I All guess right, they're there celebrities. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Valgelia, do you follow a celebrity or famous person on Twitter? I follow Shadan on Twitter. Ah, uh, but I don't count because I follow you back, so it's not quite the same. Okay. okay. So let's expand this out then. Do you, either of you follow a celebrity who in turn does not follow you back, at least in terms of the scope of Twitter? Soldier Boy Town. I do. <laughs> I do. I've got, yeah. um, you know, I follow, like, for example, uh, Stephen Fry. Uh, I follow... Uh, Alan Tudyk, who you might remember from as Wash from Firefly. Mm. A couple of other different people. None of them follow me back, because I'm some random Z-list internet celebrity. Maybe that's even be generous. But th- those are parasocial relationships. Kind of one-way, non-in-physical space, like, you know, interactions. And parasocial relationships can become obsessive and even destructive sometimes, both for adults and for children. I mean, how many kids, you know, out there, you know, for example, are into PewDiePie, Logan Paul, etc., etc. I'm not going to get into judging those particular people, but you get my point. <clears throat> so what we have here, like, bear in mind the prevalence and the persistence of Azura Sarah throughout the show thus far in these two episodes. She's the one delivering the news, for fuck's sake. It, mm-hmm. ain't, no, it, ain't, no, it ain't no CNN anchor here, you know. We ain't got Ron Burgundy delivering this shit. Sadly. Sadly not, no. Um... And 
Harry Kappa, his behavior as a kid seems pretty much textbook for someone young, that young and that impressionable to have like fallen into that kind of parasocial love for a celebrity or even if, if it turns out as it's not even a real person, but just a construct even. And what I find really tragic about all of this, the more I thought about it, is that can these two brothers not simply interact normally? Can they not just have a regular brotherly relationship? Because it's clear from, you know, what I've seen here that Haruka does love his brother. I mean, he, I mean, yes, he doesn't know the circumstances under which, you know, Kazuki obtained the Antaro, but he clearly appreciates that. And in turn, you know, Kazuki obviously loves his brother so much he's willing to do something that he himself is clearly uncomfortable with. Like he says, he's messed up. It's the expression of love just in a very, you know, unconventional way that he himself is not necessarily happy with. How tragic is that? That they can't simply just be, you know, brotherly love kicking football around or whatever you want to call it. See, I, I, I'm not sure, like, I can say they can't just be... I'm just kind of... Because, you know, the protagonist is kind of going through a whole lot of, like, wild shit to kind of have a connection with his brother, even though... You know, well, that's the, well, that's the funny thing, totally actually. What I, what I want to see is, like, okay, what does the protagonist want out of his brother? And, like, out of his relationship with his brother, what does his brother kind of want out of his relationship with people? Like, what do these people... We kind of explore their actions, and we kind of explore the kind of brother's personality a bit, but none of the kind of, like... Uh, motivation behind these actions. Like, why mm-hmm. can't they yeah. be like that? I, I wouldn't say they can't be, but like, what what the heck is going on in his brain? Yeah. Well, something's clearly stopping them from doing that, that he has yeah, to go exactly. so far as to interact his brother by proxy. And we'll find out, I'm sure of it. Here's a crazy uh, theory put forward by your friend and mine, uh, Emily, from hey. uh, For Me in Full Bloom. Yes, Emily Rand. Uh, she was saying that there she's not necessarily putting this forward as like, oh, she thinks this is true, but she thinks that there's a growing body of evidence to suggest that what happened to Kazuki at the very beginning of the show was that he died. Ooh. And that he's like dead. And Yeah, actually, I thought about that too. I was like, did he die? Is he dead? Because it's like, oh, they have to save their souls or whatever in the thing. Is he dead? I don't know, man. I... You know, in the way that she she pointed out this week, the way the parents interacted with the brother and versus the way they interacted with him, or the way he oh, barely yeah, bye, interacted bye, with them. Yeah. They, they didn't even, yeah, it was like... There's I don't a, there's, see it there, because they did interact with him. Well, only after the little brother spoke to him, so maybe they maybe what you don't see is mom and dad looking at each other like, okay, we have to okay, pretend like okay. he's still alive. <laughs> bye, older brother Chen. See you later. Right. Okay, okay. Man, that's that's some that dark sense. shit. If that turns out. I know. True. I know. Um, I don't know. I I'm not sure whether I would even like it if that was the case. I'm I don't know if, gonna, I don't know if go that makes the other two dead. Also, uh huh. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Because like, yeah. Toy doesn't even know that. <laughs> because yeah. you know we have zombies and stuff. Maybe he is a zombie mm-hmm. or something. Okay. Well, we could already say that we've got uh, Toy's brother, Marx, as being a future zombie. I'm going to call that now. He's mm, going to get called by the cops. I mean, he's a criminal, and what do criminals end up running into? The police. The police. 
Yep. Fuck the pigs. Sounded up at least. That wasn't me. <laughs> so, yeah, like, I'm thinking that this is actually leading into some kind of, you know, like, indictment on parasocial relationships. And the reason I say this is just because of the prevalence of uh, Asuma Sarah. Mm-hmm. Everywhere. Like, you know, giving the news and everything. Like, to the point where Haruka's, like, you know, doing that whole thing at uh, breakfast reminded me a little bit, believe it or not, and I'm, people are going to hate me for making this reference because I made it tons of times already. He's basically, this show's Nanako. Penny dropped. Penny dropped. Which, so, which, who's the Nanako of the show? Haruka. Okay, so Raised Haruka. by TV! Right, 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 right. Nanako from mm. Persona 4! Sure, 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 no, yeah. Um, God. I have to think about it a lot more. Also, it's unfair, like... Twitter is poisoning me because, like, now every time I think of Nanako, I think of that video. You know the one <laughs> where Yusuke's like, maybe your mom can cook us something. And she's like, I don't have a mom. She died in an accident. And then cuts to her dancing oh, in the yeah. dancing game. It's like, fucking goddamn. Ice, ice cold right there. Ice cold. Fuck. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I'd be interested to see how it's developed. Maybe it'll start exploring parasocial relationships more. Um, I mean, also, we've got, you know, the whole thing of, like, you know, are we ever, is Haruka ever going to find out? Like, how does a kid that age comprehend what's been going on with his older brother? Mm-hmm. It'd be difficult. So I will have one final... Oh, sorry. Oh, no, 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 you go ahead, because I have, I have many more. <laughs> many more things. I was going to pop Vogue brought up the idea, like, you know, that, you know, they've been through some crazy shit. I think that's also one of the funny contradictions that the show brings up that is very true to life. People can go through some crazy shit together, you know. And I'm not talking about being transferred and transformed into a cap or anything like that. But even after all that they've been through together, where they literally have been, you know, turned into cap, having, you know, passed through the fucking anus of a, you know, living Kappa god, that they still can't be honest with each other. Because bear in mind, Toy does not reveal his own, you know, older brother exists to the other two when they question him why he wants it so bad even though he's doing it for fundamentally the exact same reason as Kazuki is. Right. Right. He right. still doesn't reveal that to them. Despite the fact that they've literally just had to fight a cat demon in an alternate universe while transformed into Kappa doing a Sentai power-up attack and a musical number. If you go through that, you could talk about anything. <laughs> At least that's what you'd think. But Ikahara, I think, feels differently. And I think that's very true. There's still some things that we'll never reveal to each other, even if we have been through some foxholes in our lives, so to speak. Yeah, like, you know, I don't know. I feel like in my own life, uh, and I think this is true for other people, like you might go through like a weird experience with with a group of people or even a good one, like a kind of something that brings you together for a short time or even an extended period of time. And then you kind of go back to your life and it's just sort of like, as you were, and in some ways, and if you met again, it wouldn't be like, ah, like, it's like we never parted, or let me reveal all these deep things to you. It's like, yeah, that was fucked up, wasn't it? <laughs> kind of, you know what I mean? So, like, I don't know, maybe, maybe there's, like, more that needs to happen than than simply the connecting. And I think that's, like, that was going to be my next question, 
uh, or what, what, yeah, one of my next questions is like, I think in anime, there's like, we see a lot of talk about like bonds, um, and connections, but the word bonds I like because that implies, I think, um, reciprocation and it implies at least to me that there's like time has, uh, elapsed uh, the connection is not like this new thing and that there's like a foundation and things have been built upon it. Mm-hmm. So like connection and the idea of connection here, um, like will that actually solve problems, right? Because like what they're doing, you know, the boys are connecting each episode and having these experiences of of connection, but like it's like uh, Kepi tells them in this episode, connection always brings risks. Sarazanmai is always inherent with risks. Like, getting close to other people and connecting with them repeatedly um, is risky to you because your things about yourself that you want to mm. like, have hidden are going to be revealed. And that can be that can be a problem depending on kind of, you know, where you are in life and, like... Like being gay and having a crush on your best friend? Yes, yes. Like, there, there could be things that could get you into trouble. Like, are you kind of, I guess, ready to take further steps after that like will will the relationships be irrevocably damaged like will they find out a thing where they're like i i don't know about this anymore <laughs> i'm not sure i'm down for like this association uh and i mean look at uh mabu and rio like they are positioned at least to me right now as villains and they have it seems to me established like a very strong connection and they, it mm-hmm. plays out over like the dance and creating the heart out of the desires. Kalima, Shaxi J. Sorry, had to be done. <laughs> right. So, so, I don't know. Like, is there. Are we going to hear more about like the different kinds of connection? Like, are all connections created equal? Like, what is a connection? Is there something more that Ikuhara is going to prescribe needs to happen? Um, mm-hmm. to kind of create a bond or create a thing that will be ultimately helpful? Or is that not even, is that not even the point? Like, is if like connections or no connections, like, you know, life is fucked up and we're going to go through shit and it's better mm-hmm. to be connected than not be connected. So if you're not connected, you, you get turned into a zombie, right? Like, that's one of the requirements for... You have no beginning, no end, and no connections. And that's how the Otter Cops seek you out to turn you into a... To suck your desire out of you and weaponize it and kill you. Um, mm-hmm. So... Maybe maybe the argument could be made as well that the show, perhaps, as it goes along, will say, you know, you don't have to reveal everything about yourself. Yeah. You know? You There's, don't have to, you know, you know, give every single part of yourself away. To still be able to connect and have a f- meaningful and fulfilling relationship with both people, yeah, could be. Yeah, like the 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 Capazon boxes are. I don't know. Yeah, maybe there's something even beyond the boxes or in the boxes. Yeah, that is like, you know, there's still a self there. You don't have to like give everything away, or else there won't be anything left over to to give or to like help or share or have a relationship um mm. a good one a healthy one um mm. so a couple more points um 
so uh, well, so I touched on this earlier about taking from others to like make the one that you love happy, and mm-hmm. I thought that this was interesting. I, I think you you might have touched on this while I was away, Shadon, but um. There's like a really interesting parallel being drawn, I think, between what Kazuki is doing for his brother mm-hmm. and what Toy and his brother could be doing for each other. Um, you know, what is, uh, you know, Enta even like mistakenly like says at the end of the episode, like, man, what Kazuki's doing is way different from you. And like, the viewer is supposed to be like, mm, actually, Toy's kind of doing it for the same reasons. Like, it's the dish, mm-hmm. right? He wants to give the dish to his brother. So, like, at bottom, in Kazuki and Toy, you have this, like, my motivation is to, like, get the feel-good, get the happy for the person I care about, and I will mm-hmm. do whatever it takes. Or for Kazuki, it might not quite yet be whatever it takes, but I think, like maybe we're starting to see that it is like, maybe we're starting to see like, it's a slippery slope. Um, you know, he's willing to, um, Mm -hmm. have the, the sort of fake text relationship and lead his brother on pretending to be Sarah. He's willing to steal a cat from someone and, and Nick, the cats, like what else is he willing to do? Right. I mean, and, and you're originally earlier on in the episode, you're, you're meant to think like, Oh man, Kazuki and Toy are so different. That hard cut between what Kazuki's doing and then the the waterboarding mm-hmm. and everything. But by the end of the episode, you're like, they're really not that different. No. Um, and, and so, like, what justify? Like, where's the justification, or is there a justification at all for taking from someone to make for for hurting someone to make someone else happy? Mm-hmm. But the, this as well ties into what uh, Kazuki is doing because here's the thing, right? One of the things about parasocial relationships is they don't last forever. Like, kids in particular, you know, who fixate on a celebrity or celebrities that they're very fond of, even YouTubers, they won't be watching them forever. They won't be, you know, at that level of interest for them. Might still occasionally come back to them every now and again. But it's very clear from Haruka's age alone that this is just kind of that kind of like childlike infatuation that you so, again, think of the tragedy of this. Everything that Kazuki is, like, is doing for his brother right now is ultimately going to be for nothing. Mm. Because, because, in the end, Haruka will simply discard Sarah because he'll move on, he'll grow up. He's only, mm. what, like, eight at a push, if I had to guess? He's, I mean, the voice alone tells me he's definitely, yeah. definitely around that. Mm-hmm. So, See, I expect Kazuki to just kind of go with whatever the next thing is. Because he went with the cat, he went with Sarah. What's stopping him from just mm-hmm. kind of continuously following? Not a healthy thing to be doing, though. Like, he needs to do something genuine. Yeah. That's the problem. And, you know... And I want to know what's stopping him. Well, that's it. We'll f- we will find out. Stay tuned, loyal viewers. Do not adjust your television sets or internet browsers or whatever the fuck you're watching this on. But, like, like episode eight... eight. Harukawa's gonna be like, like, this Tarantino movie is cool. Murdering is cool. I want to be murderer when I grow up. And And then Kazuki's like, I want to be All right, I guess I have to go take a selfie of murdering someone. No, 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 no. no. He's like, okay, hey, Quentin Tarantino is cool. Like, 
I want a Big Mac from Europe. <laughs> That's right. I guess I'm getting on a plane and getting a royale with cheese. Yes, I have to go to Europe. I, I really swear, by the way, it would not be past Ikahara to have a gimp in a box. Like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Looks yeah. like the spiders caught a couple of flies. God. I can just imagine what the R cops saying that. Like, seriously. But it... Call me crazy. Let me throw this wild theory out here. Maybe this is me talking. This is a show about going medieval in people's houses. Yeah, but like, <laughs> let me let me throw a wild theory here. So people have mentioned about the gender swap thing with uh, in chat with Harry. Yeah. Now again, I'm very unqualified to talk about this. So appropriately for this show, I am literally talking on my ass here. But up. Uh, yeah, I, I went there. Um. So here's a thought, right? Get in. What if it turns out that this is, like, the way that Arik is acting? Like, because he's fascinated with a female idol at a very young age. Seems quite impressionable, isn't it? Call me crazy. But what if over a long period of time it turns out that Haruka is actually a girl trapped in a boy's body? Okay. So follow me this. Okay. Who in his family could help him through that? It turns out that's where he's going. Well, I guess Kazu could have a little bit to say yes. about that. Yeah, yes, he would. What a what a twist that would be. Now, again, I'm I should stress I can't read into this any further because I literally like I'm I'm incapable of doing so by nature of who I am. But like, there's a lot of potential in this to delve into some difficult but welcome issues. Like I. I'm really excited for it, and I don't—I don't know what else really to add other than just to say that, like, there's going to be a lot of hard moments coming up for the two brothers, like you know, for all the brothers for that matter. It's got nothing to do with just being careful, like just what they got to deal with in real life. Like, mm -hmm. how on earth is Kazuki ever going to explain to, like, said, how's he explain to his younger brother? Yeah, I dressed up as the idol, and here's why I did it. His idea, his reasons make perfect sense in his own head, or rather, some sense, because he clearly isn't quite comfortable with it. I was an eight-year-old past that. I don't know, but we'll find oh, out. It's heavy, dude. It's um, heavy. Um, if I may get talking, oh, go on. Oh, yeah, no, I was just going to quickly say in chat, like, um, you know, Sophie and Tallulah Bell are saying that you have uh, Kazuki... Kind of, perhaps he's someone who was sort of interested in cross-dressing beforehand, and that like the th making Harukapa happy was the final thing he needed to like clear the mental hurdle to start doing it, and mm -hmm. that it shouldn't be characterized as like uh, I think the implication is this shouldn't be characterized as a bad thing, and I agree. Like I don't actually think I. I I don't. I want there to be clarity. Like when I was talking about like the slippery slope for Kazuki and like what won't he do, I wasn't just talking about the cross dressing, like in itself. I think that is entirely fine. I think the the sort of little the like white lie in the first episode, yeah. the the bad thing is not the cross dressing, right? But the impersonating someone else and carrying on this relationship on false pretenses, right? And, mm -hmm. and, you, and and in the beginning, I don't th you don't think anything of it. It's like, whatever. Like, this seems, I guess, harmless. But, like, I think this episode 
at least the way I'm reading it, is it's meant to be, you're meant to think, well, it's not just pretending to be someone else and carrying on this false relationship with his brother that he's willing to do. Mm-hmm. It's also crime, real crime. <laughs> so what I, what I think is like in, in episode one, it did really seem like he hated himself for it. Though that's maybe that's, like, that's true. That's true. That's so bad. Maybe cultural norms. Yeah, yeah he's like what? kind of uncomfortable with yeah the idea because that, like you know he just doesn't like that he has these needs. Bear in mind, so, he's like, saying that out loud in front of both Ty and Ensa, who just sure. found that out. Is it perhaps saying that? It's. I mean, he just kind of seems uncomfortable. But yeah, it no, he literally does it. Yeah. Okay, yeah. it might be performance. It might be that just okay, you know, cultural norms. Oh my god, what am I doing? I'm a pervert, and that mm. might be like a, a, kind of a, I don't know, character development. Maybe at the end he gets more comfortable with it, and like kind mm-hmm. of explores his, his identity a bit more. We'll find out. I mean, certainly throughout the episode, like he gets in different situations, and it seems like. Whether the, those the urgency of those situations have driven from his mind his self hatred, or he really is like you said performing on the outside but comfortable on the inside. Like throughout the episode, it seems like he's just going around being Sarah and like mm-hmm. doing stuff and hanging out at the couples uh, theme and park, having the having the like language, yeah, also, like totally Holdish mm-hmm. thing, uh huh, yeah, totally, mm-hmm. and like is all the mannerisms down all. Yeah, which yeah, is this yeah. so different from the end of episode one slash beginning of episode two, where he's like, I'm so fucked up, bros. I know you hate me too. Let <laughs> me more. No, okay. Um, What's a kiss between bros? <laughs> it was only a kiss. I'm only pretending to be asleep. Yes, he kissed me. Yes. <laughs> What's a kiss? Like, it's not gay for bros. <laughs> it's not gay for bros. <laughs> we did, oh, we did some dark. such. <laughs> right. Um, um, so, you said before about crime, Doc. There's something I want to add, like, that I do understand contextually, culturally, about Japan. One of the very, very few things I do. So, open question to people in the audience here. What would get you punished more severely in Japan? A, owning child pornography. B, selling weed. If you said A, selling child pornography or owning it, you are wrong. You're wrong. You are wrong because Japan is backwards. So I'm going to... This is all anecdotal from memory, this this stuff. So if I'm wrong in naming particular like, works or such or authors or whatever, then please do correct me, both people in chat and Doc and Bob. So the guy who wrote... Rory Kenshin, mm-hmm. a property I have no familiarity with whatsoever beyond it being in the news lately, because he apparently was found with, you know, child pornography. A Am fucking, I a, a dungeon's worth fuck? of it. <laughs> yeah, like, oh a lot. Yeah. That, like, yeah. Heath clearly spent a lot of money, but pumped a lot of money into that industry. Yeah, money he got from people buying his book. So if you own Rory Kenshin stuff, you probably feel fairly sainted, I would yeah. In the what same way as if you were. Out? Fuck. Uh, last couple of months? Well, no, it was a year ago. So, if, yeah, it came out last October initially, and then he, he popped back up in the spring again because uh, 
uh, the publisher like was basically like, yeah, we, get, come on back, come on back home. Yeah, you, you're good, get, good. get your manga, you're get good. your manga back in this magazine. God damn it, come yeah. over here. What, what's a little what's a bit child for between yeah, friends? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's it. Yeah, like he got a fine, slap on the wrist. His his book was dropped for a bit and came back. On the flip side of things, I don't know the name of the voice actor. I believe he was one of the gentlemen who was in one of the more recent Yakuza games. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. He he was doing drugs of some description. I don't know what drugs they were, but in my mind, in my you know liberal left-wing nonsense mind, believe it or not, I don't care if you're literally hauling a car like a mountain load of cocaine on a boat. Like, that is small potatoes compared to doing child pornography. In any form, right? So it doesn't matter in my head what that is. He basically is now a non-person. He got mm-hmm. erased from the very game that he voiced his character entirely. He has been like recast, man. basically, uh-huh. and this yeah, he, yeah. game is not being sold. Yeah, like he, he he's been destroyed, basically. Like he's not gone to jail, as I understand. But bear in mind, I mean, Vic Vignoga fans, if you're listening, there are distinctions between legal consequences yeah. and work consequences. Yeah. Yeah. You might want to get <laughs> might get up to speed with that, just a thought. But You'll yeah, never work like, in this town again. Yeah, he ain't working in the voice acting industry ever again, that's for sure. Yeah. And bear in mind, like even if he didn't go to jail, the other guy didn't either. Great. whoop de fuck do Why is this relevant to this episode? Because what on earth, might I remind you, is Toy actually, you know, growing drugs? In its own twisted way, and I don't know if this is deliberate on Ikahara's part, like, this is meant to show how bad he is for doing this, right. even though to us, it's like, <laughs> it's the Go most get him, bro. minor shit. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's, it, like, like, weed is legal in a lot of countries, and it's legal in some states of the United, of the USA. It, it, it's maddening. And I don't know if this is him, like, taking the piss out of that or if he's doing that deliberately because he knows it's what socially is, the at least to Japan, is, like, the more heinous crime, according to them. I don't know. But, like, man, it's a weird show where I can literally say out loud, if this character was, like, smuggling child pornography instead of weed in that fucking, you know, cat food, he would get off more lightly. But that's one of the reason I bring this up as well, is it ties into the point that I made previously about, you know, how accessible would you argue this show is? And I would say that, that it's a mixed bag. There's some mm. sits that are like, you know, a bit incomprehensible. This is one of those that you have to understand cultural like this is clear that this is not necessarily directed to the West Stars, which by the way is totally fine. It's not everything needs to be made for us gaijin, you know, us dirty fuckers from outside Japan. Like but like if you had no idea of what I just told you, like just as examples or even, you know, like what Japan considers like, you know, like, taboo. Like, you might think, oh, what's a little weed? Who cares? And you are correct, Lubel. That is that is quite intense. I mean, this isn't like Breaking Bad, for example. <laughs> this isn't... We're on, the, we're on that level. And I totally agree with Wake from there. Yeah. But, but there's a question of relativity here. Like, holy shit. It's, it's, it's something. So, it's one of those things, again, that we might you know, not come across necessarily clearly to a Western audience who otherwise, you know, in some places where it's legal would think, 
Well, okay, he should be growing it because he is literally 14. But it's not that bad, surely. Man. Yeah. But yeah. Unless it's just an... worth just worth just worth highlighting the context. Mm-hmm. Unless it's an airsoft gun trickster, <laughs> a la Persona. Um, but even those things, I, I think, are frowned upon. Like if they're it shoots if realist- the replicas are too too realistic. It shoots what? Rulers. <laughs> yes. 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 I. I. This. I. I wanted like a full Sinjo Gahara situation where they pull out all kinds of office supplies from their pocket, oh, like man. protractor, a compass. <laughs> you know, just he's got. He's got, a, he's got a. He's got a staple gun that hits with the force of the <laughs> oldest one grenade launcher on M sixteen. Yes. Exactly. God, those yardsticks are <laughs> or meter sticks or whatever they are. They're fantastic. Uh, final question that comes to mind for me is when Mabu and Ryo are, I I think they originally, you see him ask it in the first episode, but they do it again here when they are talking to, uh, let me get the name right because I don't remember the name, uh, Nekoyama Mokichi, uh, to get, to get his desire, kill him and weaponize the desire. Like, they ask about whatever it is he's feeling. Is it love or is it desire? And I found that Mm. separation distinction really interesting. Because, Mm. in my mind at least, and uh, there could be translation issues at play, there could be Western mindset at play, but in in my mind, uh, like you can have desire without love, but you can't have love without desire. Like loving something mm-hmm. is a sufficient condition for also desiring it. At least in my brain. So like, are you talking, are you like talking about all kinds separation. of love? What's that? Are you talking about all kinds of love? Or are you talking about romantic, familial, brotherly? Mm, I guess that's a good point. Cause um, I don't think, I, cause when you get desire mixed with familial love, that's when we start getting some shit. I guess it depends on like what mm. desire means, right? They might not be talking about per se sexual only desire. Cause I like, I desire in a way, like my family, like I want to be with them. I want to be around them and near them. Mm. Um, so I don't know. I yeah. guess it's like, you could get, this is maybe more of a technical question than I intended it to be like a grammar parsing word parsing deal. But I just found it interesting that those two were, were like the cleavage there. Um, will, will this be on the test? Yes. <laughs> Prepare. Um, some notes there. <sighs> right. Well, um, so I man. think I'm 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 good on talking. Uh, yeah. Are you good, Duck? I mean, good is a relative term. Well, especially am I, this. <laughs> am I out of things to say? Possibly. Do I think we've explained or talked about all there is to talk about? Not really. I think yeah. we'll probably. I don't know. At least I think I will have more to say, especially regarding the the otter cop dance the ceremonial gayness um later on oh actually this is yeah, i think the point. next few oh. episodes will put a lot of things into perspective yeah for sure um so interesting point brought up by jacob chapman uh who is doing the write-ups for the show on anime news network mm-hmm. um that i hadn't thought about but it seems really obvious uh when he makes this point like Ikuhara works, and has, this has been pointed out in chat, like, 
they've always explored like queer themes and LGBTQ stuff. Um, but it does seem like over the years, the villains in his shows, the big bads, all tend to be like gay dudes, and queer ladies end up being the protagonists a lot of the time. And, you know, Jacob was saying, like, well, what's going on here? Like, this seems intentional. And apparently Ikuhara recently said, you know, this is sort of what, like, these are the pitches that anime production committees would take from me. So that's why things have been structured like this up to this point. And in this episode, we've got, you know, queer boys as the protags. Um, So they're the good guys, but they're still doing crimes, so I wonder if there's, like, a subconscious, like, you know, something going on there. Just something to bring up, food for thought, more more so than, like, a declarative, this is what I think about this. Mm. We, we'll, uh, we'll cover that in more detail next time, I suspect, as we go along and we get more info on the art cops. I mean, when you said that, though, it did, it did bring to mind, like, we've, I've been wanting to discuss with you for a while, so maybe this is the time that we bring it out there a little bit, which right. is... The Persona 5 debacle. <laughs> yeah, you re- you remember those two. Those there was, two. There's more than one Persona 5 debacle, so... Oh, the, well, the, the Persona <laughs> 5, you know, the two only two gay characters are the ones who are sexual predators. Motherfucker! I hated yeah. that so much! Yeah, God I do too. It. I do too. So, here's the thing why I bring this up, though, right? And this is gonna... Like, this is something I'm quite interested in generally when it comes to rain. Nothing is taboo. You can those characters in Persona Five. You can write as you wish, but 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 instead of question of what you do with them, the characters themselves existing in a vacuum is not a problem. But when you apply them in a certain way, that's where it becomes an issue. So I hate that. I hate that whole inclusion. That it's not even like even disregarding the homophobia and how it is just not funny. It's not funny. It would be. It wouldn't be funny if they were women. Because it's sexual predator jokes. Fuck off. Don't care for it. Eat shit. But I would, however, argue that they would be fine if included as a counter-narrative to a social link who was gay. Now, that's something I would develop later on. There's a, a lot of it, but we're not talking about stuff. I'm talking about Sarah's Mike. Why is it relevant to Sarah's Mike? Because if these characters are indeed queer coded as heavily as they are, like the Otacops in particular, and are indeed evil in that kind of sense then, you know, they serve as the counter-narrative, or rather, you know, the antithesis of what our, you know, characters are trying to find out. You know, they're very openly, happily, you know, into their sexuality, their queer-coded nature. I do must stress, by the way, that I'm probably completely talking out of my ass for all this stuff, because I'm not really overly qualified to it. But as Kay from Anime's Lit once said, treating queerness as unknowable is, uh, you know, not helpful to anyone, which has stuck me since then, so thank Mm -hmm. you for that, Kay. Um, so, you know, I think that it's a question of how you express your sexuality, but also, you know, like what you ultimately do with it. You know, if you want to be, like, say, camp supervillain, like the Otter Cops are, that's fine, as long as you don't actually hurt anyone for it. But bear in mind, that's what they are doing. Like, you know, they did it to the, Nick, the you know, Nikoyama guy. Right. You know, Buff- Buffalo Bill, Mr. Cat person. The cat shaming incident. Yeah, and <laughs> it seems to me that what we've seen with Ensa here is that he is struggling to express his own sexuality to as particular as Kazuki, you know, or even just any sort of connection with him. 
That's why S results the materialistic element that I mentioned previously. So we'll see this develops as it goes along. And um, by the way, if you haven't read uh, Jake Chapman's, it is Jake Chapman, sorry. Mm-hmm, yeah. mm-hmm. If you haven't read Jake Chapman or, say, Vestnet or Ilgenes or anyone who, you know, who is infinitely more qualified to talk about this than I am, then I would very strongly recommend you do so. Don't take our, uh, you know, don't take my very poor kind of ad lib discussions here as gospel on the matter. Get a wider read, particularly for people who are LGBTQ plus. Just saying, it'll be, be you'll be better off for it, and you'll be better informed. But I'm certainly very curious and very eager to see where it goes next. That's for sure. Don't don't ask me though. My internet has been cutting off, and I I missed like most of this conversation. Oh no! Damn it! Are you, you Bob, you need to correct your styrofoam cups and string. Yeah. <laughs> Go to the I'm roof of your apartment, thing. adjust your yeah, antenna. Something's, something's clogging my internet tubes. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're right, Silbel. They're not a parody. Um, they're not. I don't like, think they're a parody. No. Yeah, um, I think there's a lot more going on, actually. Yeah. I think that the thing is, though, is that, you know, you could very easily turn them into parody if you so wish, but Ikahara clearly is, you know, doing something a lot more substantive with them. Um, well, that's what I'm saying yeah. about the idea of application. Like, you wouldn't need to change much with the R-Cop to turn them into parrot. Well, here's... I, so here's how they relate to, I think, like, stereotypes <clears throat> of Yaoi or BL. Like, those those books also have, like, a cleavage between love and desire. Like, mm. the boys can desire each other, but they don't love each other, so it's okay. It's just, like, a phase or whatever. And then they'll go off and be successful salarymen and marry a lady and have kids. But and you got to protect the purity of the love. <laughs> so that whole thing. I mean, I can see like a relationship there, but like I think that might just like th- there's so fucking much there with those characters with Mabu and Neo that I think mm-hmm. there's like there's a lot, and that's like maybe a part of it, but there's probably more to it. Uh, there's definitely more to it. Mm. Uh, just to clarify, I've not read the manga, uh, prequel manga about the art cops. Oh, so I'm uh, sorry. I'm quoting from someone that I read. Let me find. Uh, let me find the the post. Um. Please, uh, while I'm doing this, uh, if you guys want to rate the episode, that with pleasure. Uh huh. So we've talked a little bit about some ideas that have been bubbling up to the surface, and of course, the events that have happened in the episode. But what we've not really talked about because it's not something that you, I, I think I've said before. You can really describe in great length unless you're like totally breaking it down to the point where it's not funny anymore. This episode was very funny to me. Like, that hard cut to seeing the gun in the box that Enter picks up. I had to pause because I was pissing myself with laughter. I genuinely enjoyed that moment. Like, the comic capers include, like, you know, in the whole theme park thing between Haruka and Toy. Like, they w- that was great as well. Like, especially when he asserted himself a little bit and took the, you know, used the, um, the Sarah voice to tease him a little bit. That was good. Like... There's plenty of good manic humor in this, and I really appreciate it. I mean, Kepi, you know, dressing up as, like, you know, the female Kappa with the stilts, that's also funny. There's crafted, constructed jokes here. 
if I had any complaint, I'd say that the fight, se- like the fact that they're reusing the fight scene animations, like when they turn to Kappa, that could get a little bit dry and a little bit repetitive as the series goes on if they keep doing that. Especially if it's just basically you got to get round to the rear and go for the enemy. But like I know that's the way they beat them, but like it might end up wearing a little thin over time. But we'll see. Uh, nonetheless, I enjoyed the, all the setup here. There's a lot of great subtle build-ups towards the reveal of Enter being gay, like, you know, with him reacting the way he does to Kazuki and Toys, like, you know, dates, quote-unquote. Mm-hmm. Uh, the build-up with, Har- you know, with um, Yantaro. Like, it's all good stuff here. I really, really enjoyed it. So in the end, I will give this episode uh, four and a quarter uh, Theme Park Love Ninjas out of five. That's what they are. Okay, so I found the thing. Um, so Goodharo, who is a freelance tr- J2E translator, um, and this tweet was quoted, the, where I saw it was it was quoted in Emily Rand's blog um, on episode two. So Haro says in a tweet, uh, two tweets, interesting that Mabu sets up an explicit dichotomy between Japanese character slash Japanese character or desire and lust. <laughs> Uh, or sorry, desire slash lust. So you were right about calling it lust, like desire in terms of sexual. And so lust versus love, desire and love. He says, interesting because in simplistic terms, the tension between those things is sort of the classic traditional boys love conflict. Like think about the framework of those typical not gay except for you stories in the genre. So, and I don't think Hado is saying this always happens, just that like for certain, there, it's a stereotype. It's a certain formula that for some BL stories, like, it's played out a lot. And so it becomes a trope. Um, and then Emily, like I said, quotes it and talks about the policeman. Uh, they, uh, they specifically make a distinction between desire and love forcibly separating the two, which plays into common boys love media tropes yet true connection between the two would involve both love and desire. So this is where I was getting that info. Um, in case you're, you're wondering, I'm not like enough of an expert. Like I've only read like, a tiny fraction of stories that will be considered BL, which is say like like less than half a dozen. So, at no point would am I going to be like I know the tropes. So like if I'm totally willing to buy like that this is not a thing that happens super often or is a stereotype or whatever. But anyway, um, so hmm, um, how would I rate the episode? I was a little bit less impressed with this one in some ways. Like, just c- considering it as an episode um, in and of itself. But, I mean, holistically, like, taken... I think taken as a whole, and this will probably be my opinion as we go, I love it. Like, I think it's great. Uh, mm-hmm. um, to quote... Was it was it Donald Trump Jr.? If it's what you say, I love it. Oh. <laughs> if it's what you say, I love. It. If this means what we think it means, I love it. Um, no, I, I really. But the episode itself, um, I'm gonna go. I think I gave the last one the full five, so I'll go four and a quarter. Um, four and a quarter. Um, weird, like bumblebee butt costumes out of five. <laughs> Fair enough. The one straight out of the uh, the Wall Market Club from Final Fantasy VII. There's another one I got in. I just cannot be stopped making these references, honestly. And Borgelia, what did you think of the episode? 
I didn't. I don't think it impressed me as much as the first one. I think it kind of treaded a lot of the same grounds. It gave some characterization, but like to some character, you know, the character that I, my third favorite character of the three <laughs> main characters. <laughs> Who? Which one? I, yeah. <laughs> Who is that? <laughs> the. You know, the the badass dude with the... He's the, your third favorite dude. <laughs> yes. Oh, it's yeah, okay. This, wanna... is a, this is a good, like, okay, good question. Rank the protagonists. Rank the three. How would you... Okay. How would you do it? I have mine oh, already. I, I, so, oh, man. That's I mean, tough. it's the... It's the... Not the protagonist, but the child with the orange hair. Mm-hmm. Then the protagonist. Mm-hmm. Then the ruler guy. Okay. I would probably mirror that. Hmm... Mm, possibly yeah. change. Possibly, yeah. we possibly flipping the last. It feels like it could vacillate a little bit, but I yeah, would agree because we don't have the orange dude like here. Like our president, <laughs> you mean? <laughs> Donald, <laughs> come on over in the stream. <laughs> we need your input on this anime. <laughs> the orange one. <laughs> you cold? He's here tonight. <laughs> okay, so. Uh, fuck my life, Carol. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so. Uh, yeah. I didn't care too much about this episode, and especially because hmm. it kind of retreaded a lot of the uh, same weirdness without kind of providing it a lot of context and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, whatever. It's a, <laughs> the rating a is a whatever! <laughs> yes, wow. it gets a six out of is five. That- Fair enough, fair enough. Right then, uh, I think that then concludes our discussion of Sounds of Might, episode two. Uh, we'll be back, it'll be next week at this point, I believe, since I've, you mm-hmm. know, decided rudely to go and watch uh, Mass Market Media and then go get drunk in Manchester afterwards. So I won't be available on the Friday, I'm afraid. Uh, but we will hopefully be back early next week to cover it. Um, in the meantime, anything else you want to add, Doug? No, just um, thanks everybody for hanging out. Like, yeah, I know it was a weird time. Thanks for chatting. Uh, thanks to everyone who's watching on the VOD or listening to the podcast. Uh, Absolutely. Please follow us on Twitter at Watery Show to get drops like when, you know, these things become podcasts or when we go live and rate and review us on iTunes and all the other places because it helps us. And uh, we're so grateful for all of you. Thank you all. Indeed. Anything from you, Fog? Bye. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Um, I'm just really tired. I'm just completely out of it today. All right, then. Well, on that note, ladies, gentlemen, MBs, and Keros, thank you all very much for joining us. It's been lovely having you all, as always, people in the chat game to, you know, I mean, I can speak for myself here that, like, you know, I'm always glad to be educated by people who know the material, know the concepts better. Like, this is part of the reason why I keep doing Worried I Show so I can be more educated and more savvy, uh, you know, consumer of anime. As it's certainly necessary when you're talking about Sirens of Mai. Uh, but until next time, have a very wonderful evening. And as always, everyone, embrace each other to the ends of the universe. A good night. Mm-hmm.